Hey, thanks for listening with Sanctuary. We're excited to grow in the knowledge of Jesus with you. Now let's get into the Word. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. We have been talking for a while about His kingdom comes. And we're going to wrap it up before Christmas, I hope. But uh, Lord willing. But we are going to talk about this morning, not far from the kingdom. Not far from the kingdom. Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Not far from the kingdom. You know, if it wasn't for this one thing today that we're going to talk about this morning, this one thing, if it wasn't for this one thing, I could probably be a good Christian on my own. Just this one thing. If it wasn't for this one thing, I probably could be a pretty decent Christian on my own. But this one thing means everything, and without it, we're nothing. This one thing means everything, and without this thing, we have nothing, no thing. Have you ever had moments uh, in your life where, you know, you were frustrated maybe about a situation or you've been trying to work it through with some person or, and it just wasn't working or maybe just, it was just a bad day altogether and you were kind of frustrated, you just wanted to be alone, you were kind of mad and you knew deep down you probably should get over it or pray or act better or, you know, be more loving, but you just didn't want to. <laughs> Have you ever had that? You're just like, I, I just want to be mad right now. Can you leave me alone? I would like to be mad. Just for a little bit. Can I do that? Anybody be honest. You ever had those moments where just, look at us, we're human. Praise God. I thought I was like the only one this day. This, you have these moments like, you know, I just, I just need to be mad for a little while. I just need to be frustrated. I need to be upset just for a little bit. Uh, I had a, that a few weeks ago, and I was praying about it, and I was like, God, I just... I don't want to get over it. I just want to be upset right now. Can I just be upset and be okay? Uh, if it wasn't for this one thing... I think I'd be okay doing this on my own. But this one thing means everything, and without it, we've got nothing. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book, and there's a movie about it. It's called Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Anybody seen it before? Uh, it's, a, it's one of his books in the Chronicles of Narnia series. You know, it's, a, it's an allegory. It's a story that really talks about the gospel. If you've never seen the Chronicles of Narnia or the books, you should read it. Uh, you should watch the movie. But uh, it's this, in this episode, in this movie, in this book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, these three children get caught up to go into this another world named Narnia, uh, and it's kind of an allegory, again, of the gospel, and Aslan the lion is Jesus and stuff. It, uh, and so these kids are on this voyage with the king of Narnia, Caspian, and they're going on this sea, this perilous journey, on this quest to find him. And along the way, they really find themselves. They go from point to point to, to coast to coast in different places. And along the way, they come into realization that they've all got issues, whether it be desire for golden things or desire for beauty, desire for wealth or anger. And as they're going on this journey to find Him, they really find a lot more out about themselves. You know, that's true. The more you go trying to find God, the more you'll see how you are without Him. And you see that, that mirror, you see that reflection. This one thing means everything, and without it, we've got nothing. We may have some things in this life, but without Him, we have nothing. You know, uh, we'll all be shipwrecked, not far from the kingdom, if we don't have this one thing. And we can say, well, I almost made it, but almost making it will not be good enough on that day. 
We might do well to free our life from like the big things, the big sins in life. We might get some moral behavior. We might get some holy habits. We might even do some great works in His name. But if we don't have this one thing, there's something we've got to have beyond our moral management, beyond our religious routines, beyond those holy habits. And we'll find out in our daily life, it's really not the big things that reveal it. I've found it's really the little things. The little things reveal this one thing that I'm missing, and it's the little outbursts, it's the little petty arguments over things that don't really matter, it's the little tips and tacks, it's, it's the little quips, it's, it's the little things, the moments when I don't wanna, really want to get over it, that I find out that without a doubt, I'm selfish. That without a doubt, to the very core of me, I'm self-seeking. And really in that one area, God's love is not leading me. That's the one thing I'm missing. I find out real quick that the love of Christ is not actually controlling me. Beyond all my holy habits and religious routine, beyond my moral management, I'm missing something. See, that one thing means everything, and without it, we've got nothing. And if I don't find His love is controlling me, I'll find myself shipwrecked outside the coast of the kingdom, just not far from it. You see, if you really want to get into Christ's kingdom, you've got to get that it's all about love. If you want to get there, you've got to get that it's all about love. So look in Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Why love? I was going to title it, What's Love Got to Do With It? But then you all start singing some song or something. But, but why love? Why love? So here we are. We find this moment. It's getting close to the moment that Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's about to go into Jerusalem. And, and the Pharisees and the religious elite have come to argue with him. And one guy hears this argument between them and, and Jesus. He's a scribe. He's like a lawyer. He's, he's an expert in the law of God. And one of the things that the law, uh, legal experts in religious studies back then would debate was about the, or the 613 commandments, a lot of do's and a lot of don'ts, which was the weightiest? Of all the 613 that you could ever obey, which one was priority number one? Which one? And they debated this. It was a very common thing they did. So they said, let's just throw this debate on Jesus. See how he answers it. And so here's what happens. Mark 12, 29. Jesus answered to this scribe. He says, or so the scribe says, okay, what is the first? What's the best? What's the weightiest commandment? Jesus answered, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. He only asked for one, but he's going to give you two. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have rightly stated. He is one, and there is no one beside him. And to love him with all the heart and all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now here's a religious person, a Pharisee, kind of getting it. And Jesus saw that he'd answered intelligently, and he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the kingdom of God. Jesus, what did he do? He quoted two things. He quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6. This was the Jewish Shema. It was something they quoted in the morning and the evening that Moses told them to do. Here is the Lord your God is one and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. They quoted that twice a day, every day. And he, then he quoted Leviticus. And it's just a little tag in Leviticus. And they commanded them to love your neighbor 
as yourself. And Jesus says, this is what fulfills the Ten Commandments. The first four are all about God and putting God first and loving God. And the last six really are all about people. And if you love God, you'll handle the first four. And if you love people, you'll handle the next six. And it's all about that. I can sum it all up. And Jesus, the Word made flesh, knows his own thing. He wrote it. And he says, it's all about love. And here's this man. He's saying, I'm, I'm a religious person. I'm not quite with you. I'm not a follower of you. I don't have faith with you. But I get it. When I read the Bible, I see that it's really all about love. And Jesus says, you're not far from getting to that coastline. You're not far from getting there. If you just take the next step and come with me, you'll make it all the way. Now, if you were going to build a kingdom, okay, let me be honest. This is my, my question to the Lord this week. If I was going to build a kingdom, why would you choose the defining attribute to be love? All right, if you're going to build a kingdom, wouldn't you pick power and might Okay, even, let's just go even further. Like, for us, wouldn't it be just like, we're going to have right doctrine. We need to know right doctrine and truth. And we need to have the right Bible version, the right code of conduct. Maybe, maybe holiness or moral behavior, because then we can see it and manage it. And we can know this person is in, this person is out. It's all about what you wear, how you cut your hair, what TV shows you watch. We could say, this is the, the creed you believe in. We could even say, what about good works? We could define the kingdom. All these people, if y'all just do a bunch of good things, you're in. You've made it. But he didn't pick any of that. He said, the defining attribute of my kingdom, while it is justice and righteousness are the foundation of his throne. Hebrews says, without holiness no man can see God and live. There are, there are attributes of the kingdom that's righteousness, justice, and holiness. His kingdom is power. I mean, consuming fire. That's all part of him. But of all of that, he said, the defining attribute I'm looking for on this journey is love. And if you don't have love, you're not going to make it to that heavenly coast. You're, let's just imagine this morning that we're on a quest. Let's put ourselves on a boat, on a sailboat, and we're on a quest through life to get to the kingdom. And Jesus says the defining thing you need to know not to be, if you're just outside it, you're not going to make it. But this guy, he's on it, and he's saying, you're not far from arriving at that heavenly shore, from making it. He said, it's all about love. And what is love? In the Greek words, there was four, four words for love. Uh, some could say more, but the first one was, uh, let's say, phileo. That's the brotherly uh, friendship love. There was storge. That's the familial love, like a, a parent and a kid. You know, that, that, I know that's pretty powerful. Uh, you know, I, I love my daughters. I, I do anything for them. And, and that's a familial love. There's a bond as a family love. Uh, there's eros, which is like your relationship as a husband and wife. There's physical attraction there's pleasure, there's sensuality. Uh, that's where we get the word erotic from. But it's, it's not just that. Like, you love tacos. Some of y'all like tacos. So that's that kind of love, right? It's, it's a pleasure-focused love, okay? But then in the Bible, there's a deeper love that's not used very often, and we call it agape. And that is the godly, selfless, unconditional, sacrificial love that gives you nothing in return, that lays your life down for the benefit of someone else. It's literally a choice to die for someone else. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's not an ooey-gooeyness that I, I get when I'm around you. It is simply, I choose to die for the sake of your benefit. And Jesus says in both passages, 
You shall agape the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you shall agape your neighbor as yourself. He's not asking you to enjoy it. He's not asking you to feel good about it. He's not asking it to be a warm, gooey feeling. He's saying, just like God has loved you, love everybody else with an agape love. And he says, this is what's going to get you not far from the kingdom. So of all the Christian things to do in life, which is the most important? Is it your prayer, your Bible reading, your church attendance, your tithing, maybe become a teacher in the church, an elder or a board member, worship team member, maybe get involved in a small group, maybe serve on a team? No. He says, love God firstly and love people selflessly. Of all the things that you want to do in your Christian life, love God firstly and love people selflessly. Why is that? Why does he choose love? I'll give you four real quick things why he chooses love to be the foundation, the navigation to get to his kingdom. Because of all the Christian things to do, love defines the boundary of the kingdom. Number one, it define, divides the work of the flesh. Number two, it deepens our union with God. Number three, and it draws others in. Number four. So let me, let me go through that real quick. Number one, it defines the boundary. Love tells us where the coastline of heavenly home is. It, it's like the lighthouse. It's like that, that shoreline of where all the rocks are. And it defines, it sets the boundary. Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Meaning this guy had figured out beyond all the other Pharisees something. He'd figured out that it really wasn't, God wasn't interested in all of our works. He wasn't interested in all the religious routine. He was interested in relationship. He wanted a relationship with people. And it wasn't just enough to know it. But to do it, you know, the Bible says, don't just be hearers, but what? Doers of the word. It was one thing for the scribe to know it. He says, you're not far from the kingdom, but how will you do it? How will you go on this journey with me to find this heavenly home? It matters because love defines not just the boundaries, but love defines the winds. He said, this is going to be an extra mile kind of love. You've got to go beyond the normal love. It's the turn the other cheek kind of love. And this is going to define the winds. He says, in the last days, y'all, I don't know if you know this, but I think we're there. Okay. Watch the news lately. See the economy lately. Look at the last 50 years of the world. Uh, the Bible says, in the last days, the love will grow cold. Did you know that? Of the thing that's going to define God's kingdom, the love of the world is going to draw cold. And he says in Matthew 24, there's going to be some in that last day, he says, they're going to come to heaven. They're going to die. They're going to get there just outside the shores of the kingdom. And he's going to say, uh, I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was sick and, and, and you didn't come help me. And, and I was in prison and you didn't visit me. Why? Because your love really wasn't my love. You did all this stuff. You went to church. You paid your tithes. You were on the worship team. You were an elder or a board member in the church. You were even a pastor. And he says in Matthew 7, he says, there are some people that are going to come to me on that day and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We did mighty works in your name. And he says, but I don't know you. You're just... You're not far from the kingdom, but you're not there yet. Why? Can you imagine just outside the shores? And he says, you're not far, but you're not here yet. There are going to be many people who did many great Christian things. They had the right doctrine. They could teach. They're, oh, that was a great, he was a great husband. She was a great wife. They were a great uh, godly man, godly woman. But he says, but you're not quite there yet. Why? Because 
Love sets the boundaries. Love defines the wind. 1 Corinthians says, I can speak in tongues and prophesy and have revelations and faith to move mountains. I can give everything to the poor. I can die as a martyr. But if I don't have love, I gain nothing. Are you with me this morning? Love sets the boundaries. Love defines the wind. Love is the defining factor. Because love is a spiritual work. It says the love of God... Romans 5, 5, the love of God being poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You see, love doesn't just define the winds and set the boundaries. Love divides. Love is a, it's not just something that you can do on, on your own. It's not something we can do individually. It's, it's a spiritual gift. It's a spiritual work. So love defines the boundaries and sets the winds, but it also divides the flesh. Number two, love divides the flesh. Love reveals the flesh. Jesus says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And guess what that is? Oh, that's a test real quick, right? Man, it's like, what do you mean love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? He says, well, love doesn't just define the boundaries. Love divides. Love is going to show me where you're really at. You know, I, uh, we, let's just go back. I, you know, we can talk about loving your enemies and stuff. Okay, but what about loving your family? <laughs> what about your in-laws and your ex-laws and, and your coworkers? They're not maybe my enemy. What about your church people? We have enough trouble loving people we like. Are y'all awake this morning? Is that true? We have enough trouble loving people we like. I mean, we have gossip and slander and division and pettiness and strife, and we lie and we, we, we have division even in people we love. At Christmas time, we're fighting in the yard. I mean, there's enough. How can I love my enemies when I don't have agape for people I like in my own church? In my own inner circle, in my own coworkers, my cousins, for crying out loud. All the outbursts of anger. You know what that reveals? Man, I have a self-love that must be bigger than my agape love. I think about that moment with the rich young ruler. It's dividing. He comes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, I, I have, I've done all the Ten Commandments. Man, I've spent my whole life being in church. I did the right thing. I went to youth group, went to kids camp. Man, I got the T-shirt for JBQ, VBS. I've helped them run it. Man, I have been a choir boy. I have helped in the offering. Man, I'm even on the worship team. And he says, oh, have you? He says, yeah, I've done all that. He says, have you loved your neighbor as yourself? Oh, yeah, I've done that one too. That one too. That wasn't on the ten, but you added that. Okay, yeah, I did that one too. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, okay. Now go sell your possessions and give them to the poor. The Bible says he turned his head and he walked away. Why? Because he owned a lot of property. And it was a check. You see, love is going to be a dividing line. And it's going to determine real quick how much I trust God. How much I love God to obey every word he says. How much I love my neighbors. And I'm holding on to things in this life. You see, there's not going to be any coasting into this harbor. Not going to be any coasting to get to this heavenly shoreline. I love what one author says is, don't expect to glide into the kingdom without effort or any hindrance. You've got to cast off every encumbrance, forsake every prejudice, every passion, and press in through all resistance. And the only wind that's going to blow you into that harbor is the wind of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be on your own efforts or your own works. It's not going to be because you're tied, you might be tied to things. It's like you've got to cut all those ropes off, and you've got to let the wind of the Holy Spirit blow you into that place. Because love in this category, in this context, is not a work of the flesh. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. He says the love of God was poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. It's not our love, but it's His love in us. And Paul says if you do it this way, this task is not burdensome. 
Because it's a product, it's a fruit of God's Spirit. For 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, For the love of Christ controls us. I'm praying, God, breathe, Holy Spirit. Blow through me. Bro take me to places, God, that I don't know. Lord, I take the uncharted parts and just, God, blow me in the direction you want me to go, that I can get all the way to the place you're taking me. You see, love is defining, love is dividing, and love is deepening. It's deepening. Um, years ago, uh, I was just beginning my ministry. I accepted the call to go full-time, and I was still working this campus ministry. Beth and I hadn't taken our first church yet, and I uh, was very on fire for God. I mean, I was zealous. They had to tone me down a few times. You know, I was just like, ah, revival, Jesus, come on. Uh, and I, I just, oh God, I was like, I don't want to just be a normal Christian. Lord, I don't want to just go through the things. I don't want to be a pastor that just marries, buries, goes to some baby dedications, and then dies. I, I want to do something for you. I want, to, I want to lead people to you. I want to see God move in signs and wonders and healings and miracles like I read in the days of old. God, I want that flame. I want that fire. And uh, I went on this missions trip. I went up to the mountain. We were on the top of a mountain at an orphanage. and We were there for a couple of weeks. And I got up early before anybody else got up, and I was doing my devotional and I was reading, and God spoke to me on the top of that mountain so clearly, clearly as He's ever spoken. There's a few times in my life where you could just feel like God really said something. Uh, he speaks all the time, but there's sometimes He just speaks really clear. And He said, Heath, if you want to have my power, if you want to know my power, you've got to know my love. If you want to know my power, you've got to know my love. He told me Ephesians chapter 3, Verse 19, and it says, To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled. Somebody say filled. Filled with all the fullness of God. That's Paul's prayer for his church. He says, Guys, I pray that you would know the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of the love of God. You could have the Holy Spirit in your innermost being. He says, With all the saints to know what is that love. He says, You want to have a Holy Spirit in your innermost being. If you want God to go down in the depths of your soul, you have got to know his love. You have got to know this love that surpasses all comprehension if you want the power of God. There will be many powerful, mighty working, miracle men who go to hell because they did not know the love. You see, love is really all about deepening. It's a oneness with God. You know, in the garden, that's really what we lost. We, God is this triune God. He's Father, Son, and Spirit, but He's one. Hero Israel, the Lord is one. He's one, and He's perfectly one within Himself. It's a mystery. We don't understand it, but He is one. And in Himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, they are one together, three in one, and they perfectly love one another. And when God said, let us make man in our image, what was He doing? He was inviting man into this perfect love relationship with himself. He didn't say that to the angels. He didn't say that to the animals. But he said, let man come up into this oneness that we have. And man was made in the image of God. You are made to be one with God. It's a privilege that no other creature, not even the angels, can boast about. But you and I were made in his image to be one with him. Isn't that awesome? That's why God so loved the world. When we lost it, we lost that image. We lost that oneness. God sent His Son because He loved us, because He made us to be one with Him. And Jesus said in John 17, Father, I think about the glory I had before the beginning. And God, I pray 
that they be one, come on, as we are one. God, I'm praying for them. Even John 15, he says, guys, I want you to abide in me, and I'll abide in you, and my Father will make his home, his dwelling place with you. What is this all about? Love is really oneness. If I love my brother John, I'm at one with John. I love my wife, I'm at one with my wife. If I love God, I'm at one with God. Do you see that? Love is really all about being one with somebody. At one. That's even what atonement means, to be at one with God. So it's a deepening. You can't go to church and read your Bible and pray and, and go through all the motions and think that your ship is going to make it unless you get into the deepening of His love and become one with Him. It's all about oneness with Him. Love abides in Him. Love unites us with Him because God is love, 1 John 4, 8. And you can try to know God more through all the church attendance, through the Bible studies, even prayer, but if you never know Him through His love, you have religion and not relationship. You see, it's defining, it's dividing, it's deepening, and lastly, it's drawing. Love is what people need. You know, the whole world is longing for love. You know, if a child doesn't get enough love as a kid, they spend their whole life searching for it. Ask a social worker today. They're all looking for love, all of our children, all of our youth. That's all the problems in life. They're looking for love, often in the wrong places. People that go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, broken, broken, broken. Why? What are they looking? They're looking for a hole. There's a hole there. That's because we lost that love relationship in the garden. Adam was one with God, and he was one with Eve. You were made to be one with every person. That's why in heaven, Jesus says, they'll not, be like the, they'll not be marrying like this. They'll be like the angels. They'll all be one together, and they'll be one with God. There'll be a complete oneness with every person in the world. You'll love them equally because they're all one together and one with God. There'll be oneness, united in love. He says, this is what the whole world is looking for. I was listening, uh, the oldies come on sometimes at my house, and I was listening to Percy Sledge, When a Man Loves a Woman. Remember that? He says, he'll trade the world for the good thing he found, right? He'll give up all of his money, right? He'll give it, I don't know about the part sleeping out in the rain, I hadn't found that love yet. But, uh, but you know, he says he'll, he'll, he'll trade it for the good thing he's found. He'll give up everything, even turn his back on his best friend if he puts her down, right? Because there's something about a first Love that sets everything else secondary. And this world is longing for, there are thousands, of, think about all the thousands of songs written about love across the world. Why? Because that's what this is all about. And what does Jesus say? They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. He knew. He knew he didn't need to build his kingdom on power and holiness and, and, and justice and right doctrine and works. All that would happen. It would, it would be in that kingdom. But the way you get to this coastline, the way you get just not far from the kingdom but in the kingdom is when you set this sails by love. And man, so many of us, myself included, we miss it. Man, I miss it over and over and over again. We get caught up in all the to-dos. Caught up in the do's and the don'ts. Caught up in going the religious routine. He was a good teacher. He was a faithful board member. She was a great worship leader. He lived a godly life. Man, she knew her Bible. Oh, but did I love him firstly? And did I love people selflessly? Not far from the kingdom. 
I want you to just uh, imagine right where you are just for a second before we close. Imagine you are on a quest to find this land called Zion, this kingdom of heaven. Imagine we're out there on this boat in stormy seas of life, the seas of life and sin, and some vessels ahead of us have almost made it. They're just off the coast. They can see the coast, and, and they're making it for land. And they're just about to be saved. And they're capsized immediately by a wave, washed up on the rocks, and they all perish and die. You see, they were just not far from the kingdom. They were not far from the kingdom, but guess what? You see, almost saved is not saved. Almost saved is not saved. You see, the only ship that's going to make this journey, it has a name. And on the name of the side of that ship, it's called Agape. And the first mate of this ship, his name is Faith. And the wind that is pushing this ship and guided by faith is called the wind of the Holy Spirit. And the only ship that can make it to that heavenly shoreline is that ship. And you have to be on that ship. You see, you can be closer to God than you were. You can even be closer to God than someone else. We may look like maybe today you're like, I have it almost together. I'm working to get it together. But it'll be a sad day if Christ says to us, you weren't far from the kingdom. You weren't far from the kingdom. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Galatians 5, 6. I end you with that verse. Galatians 5, 6. Paul says, it's not all the religious works but it's faith working through love. It's faith working through love. Do you have a Christianity that works? It ought to be faith working through love. So Holy Spirit, we invite you as we respond this morning, what are you saying to me? We just ask him that in your own way. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Holy Spirit, I just open my heart to you. And Lord, I want a Christianity that makes it all the way. I don't want to be stranded outside of it. But Lord, I want to be in it. I want to make it all the way there.